Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 7 of Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading in verse 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. I'll stop reading there. Now, this historical information is sometimes unusual. Sometimes we wonder what the point of telling us these things is. But we know, at least the children of God know, that the point is to teach a deeper spiritual meaning. You know, I'll acknowledge that when I came to this section, for some time, I was confused. I didn't see how a spiritual meaning could be carried through from one verse to the next verse throughout this passage. It, it just appeared very difficult. And what was the gospel point? Or what was the deeper spiritual meaning of Noah opening the window of the ark? and sending forth a raven that goes to and fro, and then sending forth a dove, and the dove returns, and he sends it forth a second time, and the dove returns with the olive leaf, and then he sends it forth a third time, and then finally the dove does not return. It just, it, it was very difficult. Someone suggested concerning the sending forth of the dove, as we understand that the dove can represent the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Actually, in the Gospel accounts in the New Testament, we read that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And we've seen, uh, for instance, in the book of Jonah, as Jonah's name means dove, that God used Jonah to portray the two outpourings of the Holy Spirit. The Lord sent Jonah forth to Nineveh the first time, and then we read that he sent him the second time to Nineveh. 
Jonah, the dove, went twice to Nineveh, picturing the world, and the Bible teaches elsewhere that God poured out his Holy Spirit two times. That That is, two times in evangelizing the earth unto salvation. And someone suggested, they wondered, well, could Noah opening the window of the ark, sending forth the dove, typify this sending forth of the gospel in the various times and seasons of God's program. And no, no, it doesn't represent that. Uh, For a while, I didn't know what it represented, but I think I do now uh, at least have a better idea of the dove or the Holy Spirit's role in what's going on with Noah, and Noah uh, would be a type of Christ. We saw that already when Noah entered into the ark and those with him. Or God always emphasized Noah because he was a picture of Christ who would give rest to his elect. So Noah built the ark like Christ built his own house, and Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and Christ built up the spiritual house comprised of the elect. So everything in the statement points to Christ. Noah's a type of Christ. The window is a figure of Christ. The ark itself is a picture of Christ and the refuge, the deliverance he brings to his people, and and so forth. Everything revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we talk about the raven and the dove and the sending forth, let's um, look at the window a little bit more. In our last study, we saw that even though the window identifies with Christ and the ark, of course, with salvation and deliverance, the kingdom of heaven, and and even though the window is open, that does not mean, it does not point to ongoing or further salvation for some that are without the ark. We know everyone within the ark, it's already a picture of salvation, but the opening of the window in, in the time when the waters are still upon the earth, judgment day, some have thought maybe that's connected to uh, ongoing salvation, but we've seen no, that's not in view. Maybe if some birds flew into the window, um, just just anything living, other than the raven and the dove which came out of the ark already and then returned to it, that that's not a picture of ongoing salvation. And no birds, no living creatures of any kind came through that window. Certainly no men, no people came onto the ark through the window. That did not happen historically. And if it did, the Bible has nothing good to say about those that climb up and try to enter through a window. That that would make you like a thief, climbing up some other way other than using the door. So that's not in view. It's not salvation, and therefore the sending forth of the dove is not tied to the evangelization or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
on the day of Pentecost in 33 AD that began the church age. And it's also not connected to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Jubilee year of 1994 as God saved the great multitude outside of the churches and congregations. It, it, it has no tie-in with evangelization unto salvation because we see no fruit. There's no evidence of anyone becoming saved not not even the slightest picture of it where in someone manages to get into the ark, escape the waters that are representing the wrath of God and have destroyed everything with the breath of life. There's not a hint, not the slightest hint. So the dove is not representing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it cannot. Well, Let's just look at the window a little bit more to understand. Now, we've been saying that it's tied to Christ. For instance, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, it says in verse 8, The voice of my beloved, Christ is the beloved, Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. And, and again, with a window, you can look out like Michael, Saul's daughter, married to King David, or to David at that time, looked out the window and saw David dancing and and playing when the ark was brought in into the city and she despised him. But she looked out a window. It's the same word, window. So you you can look out a window, uh, as it says in Proverbs chapter 7, in verse 6, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner and he went the way to her house. And it continues where this person is looking out the window of his house through the casement and he sees a fool that is following after a woman who's loud and stubborn, and and yet is it's really a picture of someone going after another gospel. He's going after spiritual adultery or fornication. And, and so the one who is looking out the window of his house, the house is representing the kingdom of God the or the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is when we are in Christ when we are safely in the kingdom of God, that we are given eyesight, we are given wisdom and understanding to recognize as we look out from that vantage point of salvation because God has had mercy upon us and he's brought us into his house 
the, the house of God. Remember, whose house are we? And, and so we're able to, at that point, look out and view the world. We can look out at other religions. We can look out at other gospels, at the Christian corporate church. And we can see Satan's workings, his operation in the world. We can see the flattering woman who leads people astray. They go the broad way that leads to destruction, the, the house built upon the sand and so forth. God's people, God's elect that are safely within Christ are able to look out into the world through the window, through that prism, through that uh, glass that permits us to see with clear vision, with clarity, we can see where the world is going, the direction it's headed for. And, and that's because Christ is identified with the window, just like he's identified with the door. We also find in Joshua chapter 2, in Joshua 2, some spies went to Jericho to spy out the city, and um, they were in danger. So a harlot named Rahab took them into her house and hid them. And then she was um, helping them to escape the city because this, the city guards were alerted and they were looking for the spies. And so they they made a deal with her. And uh, it says in Joshua 2, in verse 12, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by Jehovah, since I have showed you kindness, that you also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, that you will save alive my father, and my mother, and my brethren, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be, when Jehovah has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. Then it says a little further on in verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Now, let's notice some similarities between Rahab's house and the ark. Because Rahab's house was part of the city Jericho. 
and Jericho is really a picture of the world. It's a spiritual picture of the destruction of the world at the end of time. And again, that's why it's significant that the Israelites went around the city once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, they went around seven times for a total of 13 times around the city. And at the 13th time, there was a shout and and a cry and so forth, and the walls came tumbling down. Again, pointing to the importance of the 13,000th year of Earth's history when the final end of the world, the beginning judgment at the house of God and then the transition to Judgment Day, it all starts with that 13,000th year, 13th time around Jericho. So uh, Rahab's house is a part of the wall of Jericho, part of Jericho itself, and yet because of the pact that she made with the spies, it becomes a place of refuge. Everything outside of her house in the city Jericho is destroyed. The whole wall comes tumbling down. I I have no idea. God doesn't get into this detail. How her house could be built upon the wall and the wall itself just tumbles to the ground and yet no damage as far as we know, um, no destruction of Rahab's house. If her house was destroyed, then um, her family and herself would have been killed. And they were not. They were spared. So God miraculously caused the entire wall of the city to fall down and spared the house of Rahab. Just like God destroyed the whole earth with the waters of the flood, but spared Noah and his family and the animals on the ark. Rahab found refuge inside her house like those on board the ark found refuge from the destruction of the flood inside the ark. Rahab had a window, and the ark had a window. And we see in the account that Rahab tied a line of scarlet thread in her window. And of course, the scarlet would uh, identify with a color of blood, or would relate to blood, and it would point to this house is covered by the blood of Christ, just as the ark was pitched with atonement. Remember, we looked at the word pitched, and we saw it was the word atonement. The ark uh, had this substance historically placed upon it, but it was a picture of the atoning work of Christ covering, protecting the vessel. Likewise, the scarlet thread was in the window, signifying the blood of Christ covers the house. It was um, equal to the picture or like the picture of the lamb that was slain at the time of the Passover in Egypt and the blood of the lamb applied to the posts of the house to protect houses that were Israelites, the the people of God, had the blood covering them. The scarlet thread was in the window marking it 
and the the wrath of God would not come upon it. And and so again, the window identifies with those that are uh, delivered, those that are inside Christ, inside the kingdom of heaven, and we we find it's a place where you can look out, as it says in Proverbs, and you can see the foolish activity of the world or of the church or of other religions. It's a place of discernment. You you can also escape through a window because it offers deliverance. David fled from men the king Saul had sent to take hold of him. His wife Michael at that time let him down through a window. And also we read in... The New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says beginning in verse 32, and this is referring to the Apostle Paul, in Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. So the window offers deliverance from enemies. You can escape uh, Saul's men. You can escape the governor of Damascus. And and they do not um, get a hold of you because you have fled. Now we read of people escaping out a window, but we do not read of anyone escaping into a window. And that's a big difference that we have to take note of uh, because to escape the destruction of the flood, there was entry into the ark through a door. No one escaped the flood by coming in the window. And again, God makes a point of highlighting that's not a good thing if you come in through the window no, if, if you're a sheep, you want to go into the sheepfold, you go through the door. Thieves go through the window. But in, in a couple of these references, there is escape from an enemy out through a window. And uh, so when we, we take in all the information that the Bible has uh, regarding windows, and there's another reference in Acts when the Apostle Paul was preaching... And he preached uh, until midnight. And it says in Acts chapter 20, in verse 8, And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Now, there's spiritual meaning. Um, I'm not sure I understand all of it uh, connected with this preaching until midnight. And and then this young man, Eutychus, whose name means good or well-fortunate. And he's fallen into a deep sleep. And he falls down from the third loft. And that's where the window was, in the third loft. And... The third loft would identify with the third heaven. It's this place of preaching. 
They were historically in some type of structure in a building where there was a third floor and Eutychus was positioned in the window and apparently um, you, you had to be careful because you could fall down all the way to the ground floor. And he did. And, and so there's a spiritual picture in view there concerning who Eutychus represents. But the third loft does point to the third heaven. And again, the third heaven would be the kingdom of God. There's the first heaven where the birds fly, the second heaven, deep space. The third heaven is the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. And the third loft points to that, and that's where the window is. Just like the the man in uh, Proverbs who looks out the window, uh, when when someone becomes saved, they're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And, and through that prism, we can see out into the world. And, and so the third heaven has a window. It identifies with those that are, again, saved, delivered inside the kingdom of God. Their citizenship is in heaven. Now, how could someone fall out of heaven like Eutychus? Well, um, that, we're not studying the book of Acts. That's, that's difficult, but there's a couple of possibilities there. One would be he represents Adam. Another could be that he's a type and figure of Christ. But, but still, the third loft points to heaven and there's a window. So, there's a couple of places where someone looks out a window and it's in a negative sort of um, context, uh, like some some uh, evil man's mother was waiting for him to return from battle. Uh, I think it's in the book of Judges, and and yet he was slain. And, and she looked out a window as she waited. But overall, overall, as we look at windows, it identifies very well with the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, of course, there's a window on the ark. Noah opens the window. And Noah, again, a type and figure of Christ, he opens the window of the ark, which he had made. Christ built his own house. And and and, and so now um, something is going on in the time of judgment in which... There's there's a, a change that's going to take place. Uh, up until this point, the ark has been shut up, sealed up, no opening of any kind. But now it's open, and he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Well, we don't have time to look at it in this study, but Lord willing, in our next study, we'll look at the raven, and what that could represent, the uh, really understanding the raven is much more difficult than understanding the dove. And um, we'll, we'll try to just uh, understand what we can about the raven and why it was sent forth. But I think we should have a good understanding of the dove and why the dove is sent forth and, and is going forth to see 
if the waters are abated from off the face of the ground. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.